Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Thank you, Ali. Oh, I tell you what, connection, connection. God is good, isn't he? He's so, so good, and it is an absolute honor and a privilege to stand on the pulpit this evening knowing that we are a location of our own. Hallelujah. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, those that are new, we welcome you warmly this morning, this morning, this evening. I'm Claire, as you've just heard, I'm going to be uh, leading with Joss, and we're just very excited for the journey ahead. Who loves the Psalms? Anybody love the Psalms? Yeah, I love the Psalms, and I always say King David is one of my faith heroes. My small group that I've just handed over to the lovely Jane and Mark Astle, when we first started out, I asked everybody who their faith heroes were. And when we were going around the room, I said he was my crush, King David. Because <laughs> I get this image of him, this manly, godly man. And everybody's like, can you say that? I don't know what I just did. And I just did again. <laughs> but when we think of David, we think shepherd boy, giant slayer, poet, palmist, psalmist, king, ancestor of Jesus. In short, one of the greatest men in the Old Testament. But alongside that, there was a list that stands another, alongside it. He was a betrayer. He was a liar, adulterer, and murderer. Why is he my hero? Because of this. The Bible makes no effort to hide David's failures, yet he's remembered and respected for his heart for God. It's said that David was a man after God's own heart, yet as great as he was, we've also heard that he was capable of messing up. We're all capable of messing up. We heard from Joss this morning and this evening that he asked the Lord to examine his heart. I've got a list too. And God is good though, isn't he? He will always, always come through for us. Now, it's believed that David wrote 73 of the Psalms, and he was usually in a very, very bad place in the midst of despair when he wrote them. But King David, you see, as we've heard, knew what it was to suffer. Some of it at his own hands. He was an adulterer. He, you know, he coveted another man's wife. And as a result, he, he, he then murdered the husband. She was pregnant with his child. And a result of that union, God completely took him down. But God is good, and he is good all of the time. But David, even in the midst of his despair, he worshipped before the Lord and longed to remain in the temple in a position of worship to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. You know, when we're in worship, the Holy Spirit is here. We have God at the center of our hearts, and we're lit in his presence. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And in Psalm 27, 13, King David is crying out to God in the midst of trouble once again. Most Bible scholars believe that David wrote Psalm 27, as I say, when he was in exile, with King Saul in hot pursuit and all of his enemies lying in wait for him literally to take him down. Yet in the Psalm, his heartfelt cry is, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, there is always goodness in the land of the living, and that is the title of my message this evening. And you know, I find myself in the Psalms more and more, not only reading them, but through hearing them in the songs that we sing. I love 
to worship. Anybody else love to worship? Yeah, I think Alan literally preached my message in between the, tra- the ministry transition about singing and worshiping wherever we are. And I've come to the realization that actually I am a worshiper. You know, we're not all born to work. We're all born to worship, but not all of us love to sing. Now, you don't ever want to hear me sing. You don't. I uh, have not got the greatest of voices, but I am the best worship leader in the world in my car, in the shower. You know, wherever you can't hear me, I am that person. I love to worship. And our lovely uh, worship, head of worship, Sandy, she heard me singing at one of the Rudd Revival Nights in rehearsal. And she goes, Claire, that's not your gifting. Lovely. You've got wonderful giftings, but singing isn't one of them. So I'm um, very secure in the fact I will never be in a worship band. I will never be a worship leader, but I love to worship the Lord. And I find it truly comforting. I don't know about you, but it's where I hear from God the most. It's where I hear from him when I am praying into a message, when I'm praying into anything that I'm asking him about. I hear from him more and more in sung worship. And this time last week, I had a powerful encounter with God. It was so profound. And he showed me what it truly is to worship him and see goodness in every situation we find ourselves in. Even when we find ourselves in the midst of trials like David, we can be confident that God hears our cry. We don't live in an easy world. You know, you just got to put the news on and see all the disasters, all the people struggling. We walk our own walk in life struggling, but God hears our cry. I'm sure some of us in this room, Ali again brought this during the transition from ministry, from worship to ministry, are probably going through our own trials. If you're listening back on the recording, you're probably going through your own trials, but God, he hears your cry. Not all of us have a heart for some worship like me. Even as bad as it is, it's a beautiful sound to the Lord, I'm sure. But I'm sure of us, all of us, when in the midst of trials, bad days and challenges, we turn to God. But do we have the ability to see the goodness of God in the land that we are living in, in the here and the now? It can be really difficult. This time last week, as I say, I had this profound experience and encounter with the Lord. And I was away at a place called David's Tent. Pictures about to come up. And I was surrounded by 3,000 followers of Christ. It was such a great few days just talking Jesus, singing Jesus, and just being with like-minded people. And David's Tents is a Christian festival dated to 72 hours of pure worship. And it's without ceasing. It does not stop. It starts, I think, what time, Joss? What time does it start on the Friday? About 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it goes right the way through to the Monday on the August bank holiday. And it's just crackers. And it's followers of Christ from all different denominations. And they join together to worship the Lord. And they come from across the world. You know, the States, Europe. There's all sorts of people that are there. It was an absolute sight to behold. And I went down on the spur of the moment. I wasn't very well. Those of you that I've said before from the platform, I've got a few health challenges. I had had an incredible stressful week. I work in the NHS and it's a really hard place to work at time. But I felt the need to get away and clear my head. And then someone suggested, in fact, no, it was Joss, come down to David's tent. And I didn't know what to expect. I'm very late, really, in my life in coming to know the Lord. Seven years ago, the Lord broke into my life in a powerful way. So I missed out on all the things like Soul Survivor and those lovely festivals that everybody else has done as they grew up with Christ. And I had a phenomenal time. It was a real great experience. But I knew that God was calling me to go. And the minute I set foot into the tent... I was hit by the Holy Spirit 
it was such a powerful thing. Even actually, as I was walking from the car, you can hear the sound of the worship rolling across this beautiful estate called the Whiston Estate, and the band was singing, You Make Me Brave. It was so profound, and I just burst into tears, literally, and I knew I was within the loving embrace of the Father. I knew that I was there for the right reasons. And as I sat at the back of the tent, just taking it all in, the band on the platform started singing what I've based my message on this, morning, this evening, Psalm 2713. And as a refrain over and over us, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land that I am living in. It's a bit of a, a play on words with the scripture, but it just rolled and it rolled. It was just the most beautiful thing. So just imagine with me for a minute, you weren't there, but I wish you could see what the Lord showed me. I could see children worshipping, little people, hands stretched out to the Lord, just or just dancing in absolute abandon to the Lord. There were little toddlers, I'm going to cry as I say, it was beautiful, sat on mum and dad's shoulders, worshipping the Lord's hands up. They're little people, they just knew that they were in the presence of God. They were worshipping. There were teenagers dancing. The elderly were standing or kneeling, in fact. You know, there were special areas where people could sit comfortably. There were flag wavers. I've never seen a flag waver before, but I've heard about these flag wavers. It was like watching the Holy Spirit dance. It was just beautiful. The prophetic dancers never experienced, but the tent, with all of this going on, erupted with a glorious shout of praise that went on and on and on. And it just echoed and it echoed. And in the goodness of that, even in the trials that I find myself in right now, in every area of my life, the Lord showed me his goodness in absolute glorious technicolor. It was just beautiful. And the beauty of the body of Christ worshiping the King of Kings. Because we're in a really privileged position that we get to worship the King. And if we are to be this year and rest in his goodness, then we need to appreciate where we are right now and look for the goodness of God and the blessings bestowed upon us by him in the land that we are living in. And I get an amen on that. You know, I know it isn't easy. All of our circumstances are different, but there will be small moments of light, even in the darkest of times. Again, Ali, feels like you've read my message when you were in ministry. It's confirmation, it's great stuff, but God wants to do work tonight. He wants to speak to you in the midst of your trials. He wants to show you light right here, right now, in the land that you are living in. So we're going to have a look at some ways on how we can live in the goodness of God, not just for today, because it's very easy, isn't it, when we hear a word preached, it's just to sit, to listen, and not let it go down into the soil of our heart and take root. So who's with me that's going to start applying some of this to our, to our lives as we walk out of this room? Because we are moving. In, we are going to be but God's going to ask us to do very, very soon, I'm sure. And we're going to need these tools in our toolbox. So let's go for it. So it says in James 1.17, My very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gift's a river of light cascading down from the Father of light. I love that version. It's from the message version because God is all about shining a light on things that we need to work on. And he is, you know, he's just, he just floods us with light if we let him. But it says in the reverse in James 1.17, oh no, sorry. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. The, the, no, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. 
If we don't see the goodness in the land that we are living in, the enemy is going to snatch it away. We're not having that. Who's with me? We're not having it. There is so much good, even in the trial. Don't let the enemy lie to you because he's about about a work and we're not going to let him have anything that is going to happen in this place or in your lives. Now I could list dozens more verses with the same message. It all depends on which translation you're reading, but there are 20 and 65 verses in the Bible about the goodness of God. God is good. And I want you to really get that. I know you know it, but I know in my spirit as I was writing this message that there are people that are really struggling. And God wants you to know that he is good and he wants to pour out his goodness on you and give you the best life imaginable. Who wouldn't want that? No? I want it. I want the best life imaginable that he can give me. So why don't we often believe it? It's quite hard, isn't it, to hear that sometimes, that actually, even in the midst of a trial, we don't believe that God is good. And no matter how much you love God, you may be limiting what he can do in your life by believing, maybe even somewhere deep down, that his goodness doesn't apply to you, at least not in every situation. But you can change that by believing that God is good in every situation. So to do that, we see God as 100% good. God isn't just mostly good or sometimes good and sometimes not. God is 100% good. He cannot be anything else. It is who he is. He can't help but be good all of the time. Even when he corrects us, even when you, know, you get that conviction in your spirit, he's not telling us off. He's telling us, I need you to hear me so you can be the best that you can be. Lay that down and follow me. God is good all of the time. But to keep believers from expecting and receiving the goodness God desires to bestow upon them, the devil has worked overtime to convince most people that God is behind all the bad things that take place on this earth. Anybody willing, just a very small show of hands, to think, I've, I've been there. I used to believe that God was behind every bad thing in my life before I knew him. Yeah. Because it feels bad. It feels like we're being punished. It's not true. Not true in the slightest. They mistakenly think that God is causing them problems, making them sick perhaps, and sending trouble their way. Many people have been religiously taught. I was one of them. I grew up in a very restricted church environment, and it took me away from the Lord for many, many years. God doesn't do these things to punish or teach us anything. He's not that. He's good. To live in the goodness of God, you've got to push past anything, a stronghold that's been spoken over you, anything that's been taught, you've heard, defy your own doubts and see him as 100% good. You need to understand that, and I need to understand his goodness is a promise. It might be difficult to see God all the time because people change their moods from one day to the next. I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk into my secular job and you just know you're going to have a really bad day and people are going to be unkind. But as I walk into that, I know still that God is good and he's going to make a way. We need to hold on to that. People can be kind and good to you one day and then really awful the next and you find yourself feeling really confused but always know, and I know this is probably again a simple message, that God is good and he's working it all out on your behalf. We sang, this is how we fight our battles. You know, we sing to the Lord, we pray to the Lord, we trust in the Lord. That is how we know that he is working. God isn't a man. We know this. Because, so if he's not a man, he can't lie. He can only be good. Yeah? 
But there's more. We have a covenant with him. And that covenant is an unbreakable promise to bestow every part of the blessing on us when we obey him. When you understand that his goodness is a promise, you won't question it ever again. Have you ever promised somebody something and done it? Yeah, if you've gone ahead and, you, and you've promised somebody something and you've done it, how does that feel? Feels good, doesn't it? And when God fulfills his promises to you, how does that feel? But he only ever wants to fulfill good things for you. The covenant promises us forgiveness, eternal life, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The covenant teaches us that God is faithful. He keeps his promises, and even when we're unfaithful to him, we can count on God to uphold his promises. How amazing is that? We can turn away from him. We can do whatever we feel in in the natural, or not, you know, we'll do it in our own strength, but God is still good. He's still there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Number three, we become an ambassador of his goodness. In a letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul discusses the ministry of reconciliation, and he uses the terms ambassadors for Christ. All this is from God, who reconciled us himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. What a responsibility, but what an awesome responsibility that God is trusting us to be his ambassadors. Because of God, of course, never intended for us to keep his, all his goodness to ourselves. We are called to go into the world, shine the light that is within us, and be a witness of the goodness of God. And that's why when Jesus walked the earth, he was anointed to do good. Who wants to be an ambassador for Christ? Who is an ambassador for Christ? Yeah, I see people who are ambassadors for Christ going out of this place, shining his love by purely being just who he created you to be. That is the goodness of God. So as we receive his blessings in every area of our lives, spirit, soul, body, financially and socially, we are to share those blessings with others. That's part of living in the goodness of God. And if you've ever had the amazing blessing of sharing his goodness with others, you know it probably blesses you more than it blesses them. Yeah, it's like giving a present, isn't it? And when you see the delight on somebody's face when what you've chosen for them is, it makes them really happy. And I, I don't know about you, but when I share about Jesus, Jesus does something in me as well. He reminds me of who he is. And just think, even by having a very small conversation, when Joss is really good at this, he'll go and sit somewhere and just talk Jesus and just plant the seeds. That's not me, but I will speak to people over time. I will build relationship with people. I have tattoos on on my body where people ask me, ooh, what's that? I then get to bless them because God has blessed me, and I can use that as a evangelism tool. Jesus told those who believe in him, we will do the same miraculous miraculous works he did, and even greater works. We are called to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Who's free in this room tonight? Oh, come on. Who's free in this room tonight? Yeah, who knows Jesus? Yeah, you are free. If you are a follower of Christ, you are free. And we are called, again, I'm going to keep saying it, to go out into the world and spread his goodness. Because God is ready and able to do those things through us. He just needs us to stop being so caught up in the natural things of life and we start praying more, atten- pay, paying more attention to his leadings. Yeah? 
who has been, I, I, I'm going to admit to this, you know when you've been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something or speak to somebody and you haven't had the courage to do it, I felt awful when I've got home because I'm like, oh Lord, you know, if, what, what if you really, clearly you needed me to speak to that person, but you do what you do, you dust yourself down, you say sorry and you go again. God is good. He needs for us to become ambassadors of his goodness. The more we do that, the more people will see the goodness of God through us and they will come running to him. That's what we're about, about planting our churches in Ruddington, West Bridgeford, Cockgrave and Keyworth. When they see the goodness in us, they're going to be attracted to, to Jesus in us and they're going to want to follow him. Amen. Expects God's goodness to manifest. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, do you have plans and expectations that seem to be hanging for a long time? Yep, yeah, me too. It's horrible, isn't it, Kate? Yep. It's frustrating. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's upsetting. And it, you get impatient. Yeah. And have you one single desire on your prayer list for a while that is not manifested? Me too, Kate. <laughs> and it's just so disappointing. You're doing everything that you can. You're praying. You're in your word. But it's not about works. It's not about that. Are your plans for the year still lying dormant and unfulfilled? Are you getting weary because it appears nothing is working well for you in terms of your plans and your expectations from God? It's our expectation, isn't it? We get frustrated when he's not doing something in our timing. Despite all you've gone through, waiting for expectations from God to manifest and how hard you've worked on your plans. My heart tonight, it's a heartfelt plea and I believe it is from God as well. Do not give up. Don't keep walking in the faith. Have faith in something you cannot see. Yeah? Because it's so important. It's so important to work. It's so easy to walk away. It's harder to stay and trust in the Lord and what he's doing. The Bible assures us that the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. This is why I know, I do know this, because he's manifested it in my life. There are still things that I am waiting for. But I know in his timing and when it's his will, all your plans and desires again to his will will manifest. In the waiting, I know it's hard. You could have been hurt by stuff, but God will come through. As a matter of fact, he's able to give you much more than you have asked or sought for. I am testimony to that. The Lord has blessed me beyond measure. If you'd have told me, I've said this before from the pulpit, seven years ago, a broken wreck of a woman who was just ready to end it all, then God broke through. He has blessed my socks off. Thank you, Jesus. And he's blessed my socks off because I'm here. I'm with you. Your family, huh? He's blessed my shoes off. Hasn't blessed my socks off. He's blessed my shoes off. <laughs> I never wear my shoes when I preach or lead. But the, what I'm trying to say to you is that God is good. I don't have a natural family, but he's brought me you. I have my son, my son Harry. And I love him to pieces, but a very difficult relationship with my natural family. But when he brought me into the Rock Church, when he brought me into family, into people that have loved me, they've built me up, they've believed me, they've corrected me, they have done everything that a family should. And that is the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Yeah, let's give him a round of applause.
But that's not just for me. I look around this room and I see so many people that the Lord has done that for. We are blessed beyond measure. We are living in his goodness. So a Bible character that I always preach about is Abraham. You see, when we're waiting for something, we can't always see the goodness of the Lord. And Abraham's desire was to have his own children with his wife. Then God gave him a promise in Genesis 12 to say that you would be the father of many nations. And Abraham's desire became an expectation from God. For many years, the expectations seemed delayed. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, sought out an alternative that would bring them joy and serve as an heir to her husband. But all of that didn't end well eventually because God had the ultimate plan with him and his promise for Abraham had to be fulfilled through Isaac. Nothing else was going to fulfill the promise. There was a baby. He wasn't the one. In some, some circles, they, they called him the heir and the spare. Isaac was the promised one. Ishmael wasn't. God will fulfill what he promises. And this is why absolutely not advisable to take alternative moves rather than trusting in God turning away from God to seek for the manifestations of your heart. Please don't go off and desire idols. They will only pile up more problems. And when I talk about idols, when we turn away from God, when things aren't working out in our timing, I'm talking about things like alcohol, talking about things that are just going to remove you from God. You know, people put their stock and their hope in so many other things. The only thing that will give you joy and goodness is God. Little wonder the Bible declared that the troubles of those who seek other gods will be multiplied. It's so true. I did without God, as you've heard, for most of my adult life. And boy, did I get myself in a mess. I was a David. I'm not an adulterer and I'm not a murderer. But, well, I'm definitely not. And, but still, it was difficult. It was really, really hard without the Lord. Therefore, it's best to keep waiting on God. Don't yield to the pressures around. Rather, keep looking to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And can I encourage you? The Lord's really asked me for you to read Hebrews 12.2. Just if you don't take anything away from tonight, Hebrews 12.2 tells you that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And while you're waiting, ensure you're not idle physically and spiritually. Keep on working to become a better person and pleasing God. You know what? It's not about works. It's about your relationship with him. And the more you work with him, the more you will see his goodness in the way you are right now, even in the most difficult of trials, your miracles will manifest. They will. Miracles don't have to be massive. I've seen miracles worked out in this church and in people in all sorts of ways. My son at the minute had some really bad news this morning. His best friend of 23 years of age has a brain tumour. And my son and Reese, his friend, you can imagine the Reese, a young man of 23 about to go into surgery, but there are miracles happening around him all the time. The goodness of the Lord is with him. The goodness of the Lord is with Harry. Goodness follows us all the days of our lives. You know, the Lord's just said to me, bring your children up in the way of the Lord, and they won't forget no, my, Lord, my, my son won't forget. And he's talking. I had a message whilst we've been worshipping. He's spoken to Reese about Jesus. That is a miracle. It is a miracle because my, my son is turning away from the Lord. He's not in church, but the Lord is working in him. That is a miracle. Wow. Oh, that's, yeah. 
To be active spiritually means you must continue to pray about your plans and expectations without ceasing. You need to keep calling forth those things which you desire into reality. Speak them into being with the Lord. He can do anything in the supernatural. It's important you pray so that every hindrance against your prayers will be taken out of the way. Because as we heard in John 10.10, 10, that the devil will do anything he can to steal your blessing, to, dis- to steal the goodness of the Lord, but he can't ever win. And you know why you can't win? Because you're on the right side. Amen? Remember, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever ask or think. So please hold on when you're in the midst of the trial all the more. Expect his goodness to manifest in your life. Don't expect that stuff not to work out. It will work out in every part of your life. It might not be as you asked, but God will come through for you. He does it in my own life. There's been something on my prayer list for years. And I've prayed it for it, and I've prayed for it, and I've raged at him, and I've asked him, and I've said, don't get it, I'm being good, I'm being obedient. And he's like, just trust me. Just trust me. Call on his goodness. I will call upon the Lord, it says in Psalm 18.3. When you're expecting the goodness of God to manifest, you'll actively call on his goodness. That means when a need arises, you aren't looking for answers everywhere, but to him first. Yeah? Run to the throne and you call on his goodness. I want you to try and hold in your hearts when it's dark, when you're anxious, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're ill. Go to the throne room. Call on the goodness of the Lord. Because what is it you're calling on right now? I wonder. Are you trying to manipulate your way around God? It can't happen. Call on him and you will see him come through. His promises, those promises we talked about, are included in the blessing. So if you need protection, you call on his goodness. He promises you protection. Who knows Psalm 91? Psalm 91 is the most beautiful psalm. It talks about the goodness of God and his protection. And he loves it when you remind him of his word because he loves you and he responds to you. He loves you. If you need healing, you remind him and yourself of his promises for healing. And the same thing for your finances, if you're struggling, remind him that you are calling on his goodness. Whatever you need in your life, there's a promise that covers it in the Bible. Get into your word, people. Go find the promises that God is speaking over you. His goodness is in every single page. Living in the goodness of God means calling on his goodness and doing so knowing that you'll see a manifestation in your life. But you need to step out of the way. The message version of Mark 8, 34, 35 says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. The goodness of God is the great overcomer of the curse. The curse is anything that causes darkness in our lives, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, addiction, anxiety, or loneliness, or anything else that causes us to doubt God's goodness. The goodness of, the God, goodness of God is a blessing. It is a blessing. It's a light. And once the light is switched on, all of the darkness disappears instantly. That's what you can and should expect in your life. The goodness of God to flood through in a beautiful way. But as long as you're in fear, doubt, worry or unbelief, you're in the way. A lack of faith will keep the switch from being turned on and the blessing of God from flooding your situation. Faith in his goodness makes the way for healing in your body, mind and emotions. It clears the path of every hindrance and delay. 
step out of the way of the Lord, let him step in. And finally, have a peace in the goodness of God. And as we read in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The goodness of God doesn't always fall in your lap at the exact moment you would like. It's always there, but it's always operating in your life. But sometimes when God is working some things out in you, you won't see a manifestation right away. When you've arrived at a place of peace, which is also patience, I caution, praying for patience, you'll know your manifestation is close at hand when you feel peace. You'll have a peace in the goodness of God and you will never be shaken. Now we've heard a number of ways to have the goodness of God. Again, I implore you because I'm hearing it from the spirit. Get it into your spirit that God is good and he's good all of the time. Take these principles and apply them to your life. Time spent in the being prepares us well for the doing. Believe in the manifestation of his goodness. See his goodness in every situation. I've paused because I can just feel a niggle in my spirit that people don't think that the goodness of God is for, for you. It is for every single one of us. Believe it. And if you're struggling, ask for prayer. Speak to your mentor. Come and chat to one of us. But have faith and believe that there is goodness of the Lord in the land that you are living in. Amen.